Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 70, The Mystery of Apollyon. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the podcast that asked you, are you ready to swallow the red pill? Right. We're going to swallow a pretty big red pill today. I know. Yeah, we kind of left that door open last week about Apollyon, so we're going to talk about him in just a minute. I like that name. Yeah. I don't like what it means, but I like the name. Yeah, you may not like it so much after we're done talking ah, about this. Darn. <laughs> it, it is a nice sounding name, Apollyon. Yeah. Apollyon. It sounds like, oh, good. Uh, That's that, um, a fancy. Yeah, but as we saw uh, last week, we ended the episode talking about a passage in Revelation, which we're going to turn to in just a moment. But we're going to find some fascinating things about this angel yes. of the bottomless pit. And uh, so we'll dive right into that and see where we go. Interesting thing about this particular episode, it is um, episode number 70. Oh, wowzers. We're in our third season, of course. Mm -hmm. This is our second episode of the new year, 2022. But um, 70 is an interesting number because we did a study once about the 70 weeks of Daniel. Yes. And the 70th week, which is a week of years, is the final seven years of tribulation. Mm -hmm. And so it's just interesting that I didn't plan this, but I decided we were going to talk about Apollyon in the 70th episode, and he's going to figure into the 70th week of Daniel. <laughs> so that was totally really? accidental. We that get happened. to learn all about that. Yeah, yeah. So we read last week, and if you were listening for the episode that we did about the Bermuda Triangle, uh, that uh, there is spiritual portals, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. And there's one particularly bad portal, where the worst actually is going to be when the uh, star falls from heaven and is given the keys to the bottomless pit. And we didn't go into great detail about that, but we read that this uh, angel that is given the key is probably Lucifer, and he's loosing those angels that were uh, chained in darkness. And, and so we know that, uh, according to the Bible, when the angels sinned in Genesis chapter 6, that that was a very egregious crime that they did mm -hmm. against humanity and against God's laws. He never intended for mankind to procreate with angels because the, the monstrosities that were formed from that were those yes. giants, the Nephilim. And Nephilim, uh, as far as we can tell, <clears throat> they were all killed in the flood at that time, uh, and their disembodied spirits became the demons or devils. Yeah. And so they uh, are still around. They, they're not in uh, a grave. They weren't allowed to go to the realm of, of the normal dead. So they're sort of in their own punishment 
and yet there's a judgment for them, a final judgment. And they knew about that when they saw Jesus. They said, please don't judge us now. And they begged him. And oftentimes when they uh, were cast out of a person, uh, the demons would be cast into animals. Like in one case, there was a legion of devils in a man that Jesus healed. And when he cast the devils out, they went into a herd of swine, some wow. pigs, and they charged down the cliff and they drowned in the sea. Aww. And so they, they seem to have a thing about um, suicide. Yeah. You know, and, and a thing about self destruction. And then ultimately they would have been released from that uh, group of pigs. But it, it, I, I noticed that in the Bible it says when, they, uh, the, the, when the pigs ran off the cliff, they went into the sea. It says they went into the deep. Well, the deep is another symbolic thing of the bottomless pit. Okay. So it could be that they might make up this uh, army of locusts and things that could be involved in that because these are the spirits of the sons of the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. So let's get into Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. We'll read it again. The fifth angel sounded. He has a trumpet. And I saw a star fall from heaven under the earth, which we believe is Satan, Lucifer, when he's cast out of heaven, <clears throat> excuse me, in the coming battle of Revelation 12. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And, you know, what that key is and how it transpires is anybody's guess. God allows him to take this power. I'm sure he thinks he conquered somehow and he's gained access to them. Yeah. And he wants to release these brethren. He's probably thinking, oh, great. Now I can get these angels back and mm -hmm. get them back to work, you know. So he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit. And we talked about last week how these things come out. But we're going to skip down to verse 11 again. Because there is a particular angel amongst these fallen angels that were imprisoned there. And he's a king. It says they had a king over them. These, them are these locust-like creatures that come out to sting men for five months. And by the way, the men that are tormented by these can't die. They've taken the mark of the beast. They've genetically altered themselves. And they can't die. They want to die. But they can't yeah. die. So it's a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. So the king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. This guy has, this is not the first time he's ever come out of the bottomless pit, as we're going to see. He's been around a long time. So let's talk about that 70 weeks I mentioned earlier. Okay, we're going to go back to Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to see <clears throat> what's going on during the 70 weeks, and can we make this connection? Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20. An angel is speaking to Daniel, and Daniel is in captivity. We're back to that time when Nebuchadnezzar had conquered okay. Israel. Do we know what angel is speaking to Daniel? Yeah, the angel that appears to be speaking to Daniel here is Gabriel. Okay. Okay. And what had happened was Daniel came to understand by scriptures that Israel would be captives for 70 years because of their transgressions to the Lord. And so he began to make a confession. And he is a picture and type of when Israel as a nation will make their confession to God so he'll turn their face back to him. Okay. Because God was silent to Israel for 70 years. He didn't say a word, didn't send a prophet. <clears throat> he dealt with Daniel, but he dealt with Daniel basically as it related to these other kings that conquered them, like Nebuchadnezzar mm -hmm. and Cyrus, the Persian king. But um, Daniel uh, realizes it's going to be 70 years, and he begins to make his confession. And the first part of this chapter is him confessing the sins of Israel. So he's a picture of when Israel turns their heart back to God in the tribulation. 
And so then the angel comes to speak to him. And he says in verse 20, Whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, there he is, Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me at about the time of the evening oblation, which is a sacrifice. Okay. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So here's what the angel tells him. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, Israel, mm -hmm. and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So that's a lot of stuff yes. <laughs> in one verse, right? <clears throat> so what we're going to find out is Israel's transgression that led them into captivity in the first place is a type and picture of what they're eventually going to do at the end. And while God's going to turn his face back to them and they're going to turn to him and Messiah, only one third of Israel is going to believe. Two thirds are not. And two thirds are going to be involved in the transgression of worshiping the beast or the Antichrist. And Jerusalem is going to become his seat of authority and power. And it's going to become the rich, rich city of the world. And they're going to rebuild the temple under his control. And they're going to do all kinds of things. And he's going to pollute that temple. So there's so much into that, we don't have time to cover it all in one episode. But we'll probably cover it over several episodes in the future. Um, all of that being said, they're going to make an end of iniquity and transgression during that time. And God's going to judge them. And so most of these monstrous things that we've read about in Revelation that come out on the world is because God is unleashing them to pour his wrath out on the planet, both on the Gentile nations that are aligned with the beast and on the Israel that aligns with the beast. Okay, so all that being said, 70 weeks is um, the, uh, the timing of things. And we talked about this before, but just as a quick refresher to listeners that may have never heard, those weeks were weeks of years. Yes. And so it ends up being 490 years if you multiply 70 times 7. And 483 of those years were fulfilled when Jesus Christ was crucified. Mm -hmm. And then there was an interruption of time for 2,000 years when God turned his face away from Israel. And when he turns it back, that final seven years will, the clock will start again. And they'll re be reconvened. And I want to once again encourage my listeners uh, to uh, check out the best book I've ever read on end times prophecy and tying it all together with the Old Testament scriptures is once again, The Final Nephilim by Ryan Peterson. Uh, it is such a good book and I've put things together. I'm going to spend months studying this yeah. uh, and putting things together even deeper because he's done such a good job. I promise we're going to reach out to Ryan and have him on again uh, to talk about some of these things. But a lot of the things that I'm even going to talk about tonight, uh, I got through putting the connections together with his book and I went, 
Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. I finally see it now. <laughs> so uh, I just want you to know that I'm not that smart, but uh, God gifted him with some things that I was able to put together. And of course, I know Ryan would say, no, men, I stood on the shoulders of giants too, and, and they showed me as well. Uh, but I'm just grateful for his work on this. So we're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, the beast isn't Apollyon? Yes. As a matter of fact, we're going to find the connection. That's going to be one of the things we're going to prove tonight. Wow. That Apollyon, and in the Hebrew, his name is Abaddon. So it's the same word, destruction, or the destroyer. And, and incidentally, there's another name for the beast, and he's called the son of perdition. And perdition is the word for destruction, too. Mm -hmm. So we're going to find out what this destruction is, you know. And so here's this guy, this king of the bottomless pit, and he's called the destroyer, and he's unleashed and literally, if we take that 70th week of Daniel, and it's literally seven years, the first three and a half years, so we divide the seven into half, the first three and a half years is the man that will be the Antichrist, who's a human, he might just be a human being, but I think he's going to be a human Nephilim hybrid. He's going to be a, I think, and, and Ryan makes the point in his book, He's literally going to be fathered by Lucifer himself. Yeah. In the same way Christ's father is God, Satan always wants to emulate God. So he's going to find an earth woman, and she's going to conceive the child that will be his hybrid offspring. And I don't know if he's going to be a giant, but he's going to be a Nephilim. Okay. And so he will be that human hybrid mixture for three and a half years, and he's going to be killed in a battle and he's going to be dead for three days and he's going to rise again from the dead <sighs> on the third day. I know, right? <laughs> and interestingly, the reason why he's able to arise from the dead, it's going to be several things involved in that. It's going to make the world think, oh, eternal life is in the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. So that's why everybody's going to want to take the mark because they want to live forever. And number two, what they don't know is when he was dead, what brought him back to life was he gets possessed by a spirit, a devil, and it happens to be Apollyon. Now, was Apollyon inside of one of the 12 disciples? He was inside of Judas, yeah. Okay. It's a right. I believe he's been, and Ryan makes the point that he has been involved in six prior human beings. He was the devil entity in those. Really? He, yeah, I think he makes the point that he was in several of them. I would, uh, I would probably get them wrong if I tried to list them. I probably will, but I know Judas was one of them. Uh, we know uh, Nebuchadnezzar was one of them. We know Pharaoh was one of them when he wouldn't let Israel go. Mm -hmm. And uh, possibly uh, Nimrod uh, the guy from the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Uh, and he might have been uh, a hybrid too. And then uh, there was, uh, he makes the case for one entity that was um, uh, right before the New Testament began. There was a period of time when the Old Testament ended and the New Testament began, I think it was 400 years. And there was no scriptural records written. Uh, nothing happened that was from the word of God. No prophets were given. But there's still a lot of history there. Mm -hmm. And there were historical books written during that time, and some of those books are called Maccabees. 
and they're part of the apocryphal writings, they're, but they're historically significant, like the book of Enoch. We've talked about that before. Yes. And it gives an account of uh, when Greek, the Greek empire was in control of Israel uh, after Persia and before Rome. And there was a really bad Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes, which literally means uh, I'm God, you know. And he declares himself to be God and he kills a lot of Jews and they were victorious over him ultimately and uh, they celebrate that victory in a feast they call Hanukkah, which they just had. Hanukkah is the story of the defeat through Judas Maccabeus of Antiochus Epiphanes. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, so Ryan posits that um, Antiochus Epiphanes was one, he's a type of the Antichrist, but he, was, he did some things in the temple. He sacrificed a pig in the holy place. And so it was all part of defying God and he's probably the spirit of the mm. uh, Apollyon was in him too, right? So let's go to Jeremiah chapter four and we'll look in verse one. God speaking to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah says, if thou will return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou will put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove and thou shalt swear the Lord liveth in truth and judgment and in righteousness and the nations shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. And he's talking about it's a spiritual attitude they needed to change. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. And it's really like that final call during the time of the seven years to, for Israel to come back to the Lord and, uh, and accept Messiah, Christ. Otherwise, you're going to align yourself with the beast, the Antichrist. And here he shows up in the next verse, verse 5. Verse 5 says, um, Declare ye in Judah... And publish in Jerusalem and say, blow ye the trumpet in the land. Cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves and let us go into the defense cities. It's like a battle is about to take place. Set up the standard toward Zion. A standard was like back in those days when they fought. Uh, you had your flag, your banner. Okay. And you would put it up and that was like the signal. Oh, now we attack. You know, you know, like the white flag means we surrender, mm -hmm. right? Well, other flags told them what to do to attack in this. So set up the standard towards Zion, which is Jerusalem. Retire, stay not, for I will bring evil from the north. <clears throat> Excuse me, and a great destruction. The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. Destroyer. Abaddon, Apollyon, okay? Mm -hmm. He has gone forth from his place to make thy land desolate and thy city shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. For this gird you with sackcloth, lament and howl, that's a symbol of mourning. For the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us and it shall come to pass at that day, saith the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish and the heart of the princes and the priests shall be astonished and the prophets shall wonder. So basically there's a battle coming where God is going to punish Jerusalem too. The whole world's going to get it first and then Jerusalem's going to get it and Judah for turning and worshiping the Antichrist. And so the destroyer of, of the Gentiles 
is this guy. He's a destroyer, and he's going to be. He's going to come from the north. And north, remember, of Israel is the Euphrates River. Yeah. Right. And then uh, his plan is, you know, first he uses them and he establishes himself to be God in their temple, and then he turns on them to destroy them. And God uses him. He thinks he's defeating God's people. Yeah. But what's going to happen ultimately is Christ is going to come back and he's going to deliver them in a mighty way, which we'll have to get into another time. Uh, but let's go to Isaiah chapter 10. As I started to put the, as Ryan put the pieces together, but as I started to read about it, um, I was seeing this movie unfold, like a like the Avengers Endgame, yeah. <laughs> you know? like this amazing battle is going to take place, and I never put the pieces together until now, but we're going to talk about that at some point in the future. It's all right, so this guy is interesting because he's called Apollyon, he's the destroyer, and as God has many names, Christ has many names, the devil has many names. Mm -hmm. So does this guy have many names. And he's the destroyer, and another name he has is the Assyrian. Assyrian. And that figures partly into the type that he plays in Nebuchadnezzar, who was a real Babylonian king, but that Babylon was Assyria. Yeah. Okay. But it goes deeper than that. So we'll look, read in Isaiah 10, verse 5. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger. You know what a rod is, right? It's like a stick. Yes. We were talking about boys and sticks, right? <laughs> How little boys got to pick up a stick and beat it. Well, maybe they get that from the Bible. Yes. <laughs> because at some point, God is going to smite the nations with the rod. And he's going to use this Assyrian to be that rod. Now, this Assyrian is proud and arrogant, and he thinks he's doing it. He doesn't know he's being controlled by God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The <laughs> ultimate irony, right? So he says, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against an hypocritical nation, which is apostate Israel. And against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Now, some people would argue that this was fulfilled in Nebuchadnezzar and that's all it meant. But as we know, the Bible always gives us types. Yes. So don't limit your understanding to one historical event. Because everything that happened in the Bible is a foreshadowing of something that's going to happen in mm -hmm. the future. So it says uh, he's going to tread them down, or God says, I'm going to use him to uh, take the spoil, to take the prey, and tread them down like the mire of the streets. Verse 7, Howbeit he meaneth not so. The Assyrian doesn't think God's in control. He thinks he's doing it. Silly, silly. Neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. For he saith, are not my princes altogether kings? Is not Kano as Karshemish? Is not Hamath as Arpad? Is not Samaria as Damascus? I don't know all these places, but there must be something significant. <laughs> as my hand hath found the kingdoms of the idols, whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem and of Samaria, Shall I not, as I've done unto Samaria and her idols, so do to Jerusalem and her idols? So it's this Assyrian boasting, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. Haven't I done all this? It was my power that did it. You know, Nebuchadnezzar said something very similar, and God said, oh yeah, <laughs> you think it was you? Yeah. And he struck him down and turned him into a hybrid human. He was a beast and a man for seven years. He grew feathers and claws. Remember, we read about this. And the dew, he ate grass out in the field. Yes. And uh, that was Nebuchadnezzar, turned into a hybrid beast uh, for seven years. He's a picture 
of the Antichrist, the Assyrian. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed this whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, in other words, when I'm done using the Assyrian for my purpose to punish that nation that turns against me, that I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. For he saith, by the strength of my hand have I done it. And by my wisdom, for I am prudent, and I have removed the bounds of the people, and have robbed their treasures, and have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. In other words, he thinks he defeated Judah and Jerusalem. And my hand hath found as a nest the riches of the people, and as one gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth, and there was none that moved the wing or opened the mouth or peeped. <laughs> and so he's bragging about, I did all this. So evidently, Jerusalem and Judah are going to be a wealthy nation and a wealthy city at the time when he attacks them. And it's going to be, he's going to think, because I made it that way. <clears throat> and then God answers that boasting. In verse 15, he says, shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? You know, you've seen like a lumberjack chop down yeah. a tree, right? They were really good at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the axe can't boast that he did it. Mm -hmm. It was the man swinging the axe. Yes. So he's the axe and God is the man swinging him. And he doesn't know that. He doesn't think that. Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? Or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? You know, saying if you were cutting it down with a saw. Mm -hmm. As if the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up. Or as if the staff should lift up itself as if it were no wood. Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness. And under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. And there he's talking about when this guy stands up and he boasts and he brags, the Assyrian, he's the destroyer, and he thinks he did all this himself. Jesus Christ is going to come back with his army. And they're going to come face to face in the valley of decision, Jehoshaphat. Ooh, Megiddo. What and a name. I know, it's in the final battle. <clears throat> and Christ comes back. And he literally comes from the southeast heading towards Jerusalem. This guy's coming from the north, down from the Euphrates towards Jerusalem. And they meet there in the middle. Can you imagine when he meets the Lord? And the Lord, actually, and, and it's interesting because when Jesus comes back, it says he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, which is east of Jerusalem. And we think of it as a little hill right now, but it's a mm -hmm. mountain. And when he sets foot on it, it's going to split in two. And it's going to, get, it's going to divide like, a, um, like north to south. Mm -hmm. And it's going to open up this big trench and valley. And the true believers in Jerusalem at that moment are going to escape out of there because this is when the Antichrist, the Assyrian, is coming to kill them and destroy them. Mm -hmm. and he's going to get the, the two-thirds that worship him. But, uh, but the ones that believe God leave. And it's a picture uh, of the same thing that happened in the Exodus. What did God part in two to allow Israel to escape out of Egypt? The sea. The Red Sea, that's right. So it's going to be a similar thing happening again. And so they're going to escape into God's hands and then Jesus is going to pour down his wrath on the Antichrist and his armies. When so, you said the Exodus, I was like, the movie? Yeah, well, you're right, because there was a movie, right, about the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, right? I was like, uh. 
So he's going to burn up and devour the thorns and the briars, which are the false prophets, and he shall consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field, both soul and body, and they shall be as when a standard bearer feigneth, and the rest of the trees of his forest shall be few that a child may write them. Now, it's interesting that he mentions trees because we're going to talk about trees in just a minute and how we can tie all this stuff in, Apollyon, the destroyer, Mm -hmm. and the Assyrian, all the way back to we're going to find out he was one of the sons of the fallen angels and the human women, the Nephilim. He was the Nephilim that grew to be the mightiest king on the earth before the flood of Noah. Really? And his kingdom was Assyria. And that's why he's called the Assyrian. So So how did he live through the flood? He didn't. He died in the flood and he was sucked down to the bottomless pit. But his spirit was allowed to leave there on six occasions. And then the seventh one will be the Antichrist. Okay. Okay. So uh, we'll see um, verse 20. It shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more stay upon him that smote them. To stay upon him is like to rely on. Mm -hmm. All right. Who is the one that smote them? The Assyrian. But they shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And that's Christ in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob unto the mighty God. One third. One third will be the remnant. Okay, two thirds will be destroyed. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. The consumption has to do with the destruction that God pours out through the Antichrist and then destroys him. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. So that's just a sort of an overview of all that's going to happen and all that destruction with Christ coming back and the Antichrist. And Christ will destroy him. But he's called the Assyrian. He's called the destroyer. He's called the oppressor, okay? And all that harkens back to Ezekiel 31. So we're going to put this together here in Ezekiel chapter 31. And we're going to read in verse 1. Now, remember I told you that this thing, Apollyon, Mm -hmm. has been the spirit of him. We're going to read about his origin in a moment, but the spirit of him has been in six different entities in time. And one of them was Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Okay, And it was during the time that Pharaoh wouldn't let Israel go. And so remember we talked about the Red Sea and the parting and Mm -hmm. God delivers them. It was a foreshadowing of this very battle. Because all the plagues that Moses poured out on Egypt are going to be the same plagues that happen in the world during the tribulation. Oh. Yeah. So talk about, uh, what does the book of uh, Ecclesiastes say? That which shall be has been done before. Yes. Right. Nothing new under the sun. That's right. You got it. You got it. So Ezekiel 31, verse 1, And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the third month, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, that's Ezekiel, the prophet, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom art thou like in thy greatness? So he's going to tell him a story. Who are you like, Pharaoh? I'll tell you who you're like. Verse 3, behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon. A cedar is a tree. Mm-hmm. We just read about destroying the forest. We did. Right? He is a cedar in Lebanon with fair branches and with a shadowing shroud and of an high stature, tall. Mm-hmm. 
and his top was among the thick boughs. The waters made him great. The deep set him up on high with her rivers running round about his plants and sent out all her little rivers unto all the trees of the field. Now, I've taught this person before as a type of Satan, and it is, but we're now we're getting into the real nitty-gritty of who he really was in history, okay? Therefore, his height was exalted above all the trees of the field, and his boughs were multiplied, and his branches became long because of the multitude of waters when he shot forth. All the fowls of heaven made their nests in his boughs, and under his branches... did all the beasts of the field bring forth their young and under his shadow dwelt all great nations. So he was like the king of all the earth. How tall do you think he was? You know, I don't know. Like a tree. Can you imagine? It's a very tall person. What if he was 30 feet tall? Whoa. Thus was he fair in his greatness, verse 7, in the length of his branches, for his root was by great waters. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. What's the garden of God? Well, it's Eden. Yeah. So this is talking about a time before the flood of Noah. Mm -hmm. He was in the garden of God. He must have been near the garden of Eden. Eden was a country. He became the king of that region. And if we talk about the promised land of Israel being from the Euphrates to the Nile, then all of the nations that today we know are over there in the Middle East that comprise that region would include Lebanon, Mm -hmm. Syria, Jordan, you know, Arabia, Israel, and part of Egypt. So the cedars of Lebanon, this was Eden is what it was. Mm -hmm. This was the original Eden. So, and it will be again. But it's where God chose to put his throne, Jerusalem. And so this guy is like, I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be like God. Mm -hmm. You can tell that spirit of Antichrist is there, where it comes from. So he says, uh, the cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. The fir trees were not like his boughs. And the chestnut trees were not like his branches, nor any tree in the garden of God was like unto him in his beauty. I've made him fair by the multitude of his branches so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. So we're talking about Nephilim here. This guy is not a tree. No. You know, the trees are a type of him. Uh, And so he's he's arrogant, he's proud, he's boasting himself. He's more powerful than all the other trees. So we see him as uh, he was like the, the one of the fallen angel's sons that became the greatest king over the earth. Nimrod was typified in him, Mm -hmm. Pharaoh. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, verse 10, because thou hast lifted up thyself in height, and he hath shot up his top among the thick boughs, and his heart is lifted up in his height, I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty one of the heathen. He shall surely deal with him. I've driven him out for his wickedness. And strangers, the terrible of the nations have cut him off and have left him, Upon the mountains and in all the valleys, his branches are fallen. Excuse me. And his boughs are broken by all the rivers of the land. And all the people of the earth are gone down from his shadow and have left him. Upon his ruin shall all the fowls of the heaven remain. And all the beasts of the field shall be upon his branches. To the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height. Neither shoot up their top among the thick boughs. Neither their trees stand up in their height. 
all that drink water, for they are all delivered unto death to the nether parts of the earth. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So there was a destruction. That basically, there were, there were battles and wars that took place, uh, and then the flood came. Yeah. And so they were fighting each other. They were, you know, the, the heathen were fighting against them. And then the, when the flood came, it ended up killing them all. So there was a destruction of them turning on each other, and then the flood basically sucked them down to the nether parts of the earth. Um, and it says, uh, in the midst of the children of men with them that go down to the pit, the bottomless pit, nether parts of the earth, Yeah. inside. We've talked about that rich man that died and the, mm -hmm. the poor beggar. There's an Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise. Yes. There's the burning part of hell, the prison. And then there's the great gulf fixed between them, which I believe is that abyss, that bottomless pit, where those angels are chained, and he he went down there too. Now, when they say bow, what do they mean by bow? I'm thinking like bodily fluids. Well, it's actually, uh, and I'm not pronouncing it clearly enough, B-O-U-G-H, bow without an L. Okay. So bowels would be like the internal organs. Mm -hmm. Bowels of a tree are like limbs. Okay. So it's just an old English word for that. There used to be a song, and it was a lullaby for kids, and they would sing Rockabye Baby in the treetop. Um, and something about when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Horrible thing to sing to a child <laughs> about the baby falling out of a tree <laughs> because the limb or the bow breaks. Yeah. But I, that's the first time I ever heard the word bow was in a little lullaby. Course, I remember I'm the lullaby. Did you remember that? I do. Okay, so I'm, it's not so old. <laughs> or that the ashes, ashes, we all fall, fall down. down. Right, right. I'm That's, like, wow. This... A lot of those nursery rhymes were macabre. Yeah. Or dark. I'm like, uh, you let me sing that and you didn't, you knew what it meant? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, these things are these trees, mm -hmm. they're symbolized, uh, I believe were the Nephilim, and this particular one, the Assyrian, was the king of them all. And he was very arrogant and proud, like the devil. Mm -hmm. And But they're going to be destroyed, and they go down into the pit. 
Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when he went down to the grave, I caused a mourning. I covered the deep for him. There's the flood. Uh, and I restrained the floods thereof. And the great waters were stayed. And I caused Lebanon to mourn for him. And all the trees of the field fainted for him. I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall. When I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit. And all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, all the drink water shall be comforted in the nether parts of the earth. They also went down into hell with him unto them that be slain with the sword and they that were his arm that dwelt under a shadow in the midst of the heathen. So it's basically saying, you powerful giants that thought you were so great, you died like men and you went down into the earth like the men that died too. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and their spirits went to hell, but they, they were allowed to roam the earth, so the demons and the devils. But this one had a special place. This one was brought down to the pit. And so he says in verse 18, to whom art thou thus like in glory and greatness among the trees of Eden? And remember, he's talking to Pharaoh. Who are you like? Yeah. You're like this guy. And yet I brought him down. I can bring you down too. So he says, yet shall thou be brought down with the trees of Eden, under the nether parts of the earth. Thou shalt lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that are slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitude, saith the Lord God. So while it was true that he was talking to Pharaoh and it applied to him, he tells the story of something that happened long before Pharaoh. And it was this Assyrian prince. So he died. He went into the nether parts of the earth to the bottomless pit. He ends up where some of the devils that died, some of the Nephilim that died, the, yeah. were just devils floating around his spirits. This one was confined to the bottomless pit, but apparently he was allowed, Apollyon, the destroyer, was allowed out from time to time to be a spirit that controlled and inhabited the bodies of some other men, as Pharaoh being one of them. Okay, so we'll look at some other things about Apollyon. Uh, in the book of Micah, Micah is another one of the prophets of God. The prophets are divided into the major and the minor prophets. I'm not sure what makes one a major and a minor, but yeah. that's how they were called. <laughs> Maybe it was because of the size of the books mm -hmm. or something like that. But anyway, Micah is considered a minor prophet, but there's nothing minor about him. <laughs> so um, you'll remember that a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the wise men. Yes. And we talked about how they saw the star of the Christ shining in the east. They came to Jerusalem. They asked the king, Herod, at that time, who may have been another one of those guys mm -hmm. uh, that was um, uh, antichrist controlled, you know, because he wanted to kill Jesus. Uh, but um, they asked of him, where was he to be born king of the Jews? And so they inquired and they called the scribes and the priests. And they read the scripture about Bethlehem. So that's how they knew to go to Bethlehem. Well, here's the passage that they read. And we read that little part, but we didn't read the whole thing. Yeah. So we're going to put the thing in the context. Okay. Now watch this. And we're going to find out that this little baby born in the manger in Bethlehem has far more to him than just that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, um, uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. We're talking about an army, right? Okay. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, 
whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. All right, so Jesus, though he was born in Bethlehem of Mary, he is the creator of heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. He's been from old, from everlasting. He said, they're going to smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. Well, yeah, they crucified him, but he would rise again from the dead. Verse 3, therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Now, that's not a reference to Mary. While she did bring forth to Christ in Bethlehem, the seed of the woman, Genesis 3, remember? Yes. And the seed of the serpent would eventually battle. And this is referring to that. We're going to talk about that. So the seed of the woman. So the woman is Israel. So she did bring forth Christ. But Israel also has to conceive and bring forth a nation again. And you know, there's a nation there now, but there's going to be a nation that is the remnant that turns back to God. So at some point, there's going to be quite a, a, a conversion of Jews believing on Messiah. And that remnant is going to be the brethren that are going to return to God. And that's when this child from Bethlehem comes back to fight the destroyer, okay? Verse 4, and he shall stand, we're still talking about the ruler, mm -hmm. he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall abide, for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. All right, so that's setting the context of Jesus and he's going to be great to the end. He's going to rule over the nations. He's going to come back and rule over the earth. But look at verse 5. And this man shall be the peace. Okay. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Well, here, here's, here comes the peace. When the Assyrian shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men, and they shall lay waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod, in the entrances thereof. Nimrod was another one of those types that had the Apollyon in him. Mm -hmm. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land and when he treadeth within our borders. So this ruler, this babe that was born in Bethlehem would become the ruler over Israel and he's going to destroy the, um, the Antichrist, basically, the Assyrian. Yeah. So it's very possible that the reason Herod wanted to know where he was to kill him is because the spirit that was in Herod was the Apollyon. Yeah. The same thing that wanted to prevent him from being destroyed. Verse 7, And the remnant of Jacob, the ones that believe, shall, uh, shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord. Dew, D-E-W, like water dew, you know, from okay. the plants. As the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both tread down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. So it's kind of like he's saying, basically, when this remnant is delivered by Christ, when he comes back, and we've already seen some of this when we read about Revelation 19, and he's on a white horse, and the armies of heaven follow him. And that could be his angels. It could be us. Yeah. And we might be there. And if it's us, and it might well be, 
then we will thankfully be in bodies that can actually fight these yes. horrible things because <laughs> this body is worthless <laughs> when it comes to fighting the Antichrist. But when we have these glorified bodies, we'll be suited for this battle. Like we'll the angels, ready. we'll be ready. And I suspect that uh, the, the remnant that turns back to him will, he's basically calling them an army here mm -hmm. and they're going to fight with us as well. So he says, thine, thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off the horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots. He's talking about the Assyrian. And thy chariot, I will cut off the cities of, the, of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds. Because when the Antichrist comes to meet him, and we're just talking about this battle where they meet in the middle, in this Armageddon, mm -hmm. He has gathered together all the armies of all the nations. So the whole world is joining him in the battle to fight against the Lord himself. Whoa. That's what's taking place here. So that's why I say it's like Avengers Endgame. It's like this crazy battle is going to take place, but it's not fictional characters. Nope. It's real. And these Nephilim, you know, uh, and I bring this up because the parallels are, to me, strikingly telling. Uh, and I say parallels. I have told you this on more than one occasion that I think fictional movies and and things uh, on on books and uh, whatever um, they are uh, TV shows. You know, they're kind of showing Satan controls all that. Yeah. So he's kind of showing his hand. He's proud. He wants you to hey you know, when a kid makes something they go mommy look look yeah <laughs> or hey mom watch mom mom look 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 mom look look <laughs> they want to do some stupid little thing you know but you got to look because they're so proud of it you know they want to see it well the devil's like that he wants yeah. everybody to look and see him look at me look at me you know so he's telling us well in um, in Avengers Endgame the big bad guy is a guy named Thanos and he's a giant mm -hmm. he's a big purple giant and he gets all the power from the the, the infinity stones to destroy. And what he wants to do is basically kill half the entire population of the universe. And, he, and he's successful. He does it. He gets that final stone and he snaps his finger because his whole aim was to do, just base population control. Wow. Isn't that telling? Yeah. I, I want to be careful because I don't want people to be worried about the stuff, but things that are going on right now are about population control. Yeah. You better believe it because the devil hates humanity and he wants to get rid of mainly the people that believe in God, mm -hmm. okay, because he wants them to worship him. Anyway, I think there's some foreshadowing of all this in there, so that's why I bring it up. He says, I will cut off the cities of thy land and throw down all thy strongholds, and I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers, fortune tellers. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee. And thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. I will pluck up thy groves up out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy cities. And he's really, he's talking about Judah and Israel that don't turn back to the Lord are in league with the Antichrist. They're mm -hmm. worshiping the beast. They take his mark. And God is literally going to turn him against them to punish them and destroy them. He's the rod in his hand, yeah. the Assyrian, and he's going to oppress them. And the remnant escapes, like I told you, when they get out of the, the passage between the Mount of Olives. And they're going to go back to be with the Lord. And the Lord's going to use them to uh, use the rod to destroy that wicked nation. And then he's going to turn around and destroy the rod. 
He's going to kill the Assyrian. Yeah. And he's ultimately going to end up chained in the bottomless pit again. He's like, I just got out. I just got out of there, right? So say, I will destroy thy cities and I will execute vengeance and anger and fury upon the heathen such as they have not heard. So this battle is going to be unlike anything the world has ever seen. It's phenomenal. It's going to happen. That's why I tell people so much in this study and what we're really trying to reveal in the mysteries of the Bible is that the Bible is telling us what's coming. It's letting us know what's going to happen and you don't want to be here for that. No. You need to be in God's grace. You're in God's grace right now, but you need to accept his gift of salvation so you can escape the wrath that's coming. Yes. Okay. Now, we're going to continue on because I keep taking these side trails. <laughs> but let's go to Psalm 72 so I can wrap this up. In verse 4, we read, He shall judge the poor of the people. It's talking about Christ. And he shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. Yeah. The Syrian, Apollyon, the destroyer. He's the oppressor. He always has been the oppressor. And we see it in Isaiah 14. And this is really the ultimate culmination of the fall of Satan through his proxies, whether it's the satanic global elite, mm -hmm. whether it's the Nephilim, whether it's the uh, Antichrist or his, uh, uh, the Assyrian here. It's all the same. So Isaiah chapter 14, which is the only reference to the name Lucifer in the entire Bible, okay, in a King James Bible. So for the context, we're talking about God basically saying, I'm going to come and restore you, Israel. When you turn back to me, I won't hide my face anymore. And those of you that accept Messiah will be saved and delivered. The rest are going to be destroyed. Yeah. So he says in verse 1, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel. And set them in their own land, and the stranger shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. It cleave means to cling to. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids. And they shall take them captives whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. So basically all the nations that joined league with the Assyrian and persecuted Israel and fought against them, the believers, they're going to be, it's going to, God's going to turn the tables back around on them. Okay. Verse three, and it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve, talking about Israel, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. Remember, these all tie together. Yeah. The Assyrian, Babylon, Apollyon, the destroyer, the oppressor. And you're going to say, here's the, pro here's the proverb. How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. And remember, the golden city, you know, we call it Babylon, but what did we say, and you may not remember this one because this was a long time ago, but what did we say is mystery Babylon really a description of? What real city is that? This city has been called Sodom, it's been called Egypt, and it's been called mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. It's... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't tell me. I know it. Uh, and, and to help you, there's the good one and there's the bad one. Well, I know it's supposed to be, it's, so Babylon is basically equivalent to Jerusalem. Yes, that's it. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Okay. It is. It's Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is mystery Babylon, the apostate antichrist worshiping Jerusalem. Okay. Not the Zion of God that he's going to restore. 
But see, the devil wants God's city. Mm -hmm. So he takes it, controls it. They worship him. They take his mark. He declares himself to be God in the temple in Jerusalem. And then when Christ comes back, he says, no, you got another thought coming, right? Right. So the golden city is when Jerusalem becomes rich through the power of the Antichrist Mm -hmm. because he gets that whole worship going there. The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers, which has a lot to do with the Nephilim. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, the Assyrian, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The tables have turned. Mm -hmm. God's persecuting you. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing because he's caused all this destruction, you know. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon saying, remember that? We talked about he was a, a cedar in Lebanon? Yes. Well, now these appear to be the angels of God, right? Because since thou art laid down, no feller has come up against us. Say, so we, we have no more rebellious brethren here. Yeah. Right? Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. So he goes to hell. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? So when this Assyrian oppressor is killed, again, he goes back down to hell. And they're going to see him and say, You're just like us. Yeah. Thy pomp, arrogance, is brought down to the grave. And the noise of thy viols, the music, violins. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. We talked about worms in hell before. Yes. And then the next verse is the interesting one. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? So what we're seeing is just the continual fall from heaven, where he was before the throne of God, down to being, you know, destroying the earth back before God made man, Mm -hmm. and in making it chaos, and then stealing uh, the birthright or trying to get the birthright, and then the prophecy of the seed of the woman, and he's trying to prevent the Christ from being born, but he lost that too. He just loses over and over and over again. He just does not give up. <laughs> he doesn't give up. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. The same thing the Assyrian says. Mm -hmm. The same thing Antichrist will say. Um, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And literally he's going to be chained to the side of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. All the kings of the nations, even all of them lie in glory, everyone in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. And as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword. And that's a reference to the Antichrist when he's killed. And, and instead of um, staying in hell, the... Um, Apollyon enters his body and he rises up and that's when the world thinks he's the beast or worships him as the beast. Mm-hmm. Thrust through with a sword. He's going to be killed with a sword. That go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden underfoot. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. And by the way, this Antichrist 
when he's born as a human hybrid thing, he's going to be Jewish. What? He's from the tribe of Gad. Wowzers. Yeah, the tribe of Gad. And so he's going to be part Nephilim, but he's going to be part Jewish too because that's how he's able to make a covenant with Israel and allow them to rebuild the temple. He's going to be the reason why they can build a temple, which right now there isn't one because mm -hmm. there's a mosque on the site. And uh, he's going to be the reason they rebuild the temple and he's going to make a covenant to allow them to start doing the sacrifices again, basically administering the law of Moses again. Mm -hmm. So he has to have some connection to them or else he wouldn't be able to do that. Unless he fakes it. Well, I mean, he, is gonna be he, he could be a fake. That's true. He could be a fake. But the, there's evidence to show that he's probably going to be from the tribe of Gad. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, there's a whole other story we could do about that. We'll have to talk about it another time. So uh, if I skip down to verse um, 24 to speed things up here, the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I've thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I purpose, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land. And upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. So remember, it's God's using him to be the rod to pour his wrath out against the nations. And then he's going to turn around and destroy him after he's used him for his purpose. Because the Assyrian is the rod, the oppressor. Yeah. For the Lord of hosts hath purpose, and who shall disannul it? Who's going to stop him? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? So the devil really believes that he's doing all this on his own, and he doesn't know that God is using him every step yeah. for his own purpose to punish, those, to punish those that turn against him. So we were reading earlier that he said, I shall be like God. I shall be this. I shall be that. Well, those are the very words that the Antichrist is going to say, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Oops, I got 2 Timothy. I got the wrong book. T-H is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of God's wrath, the day of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first, a massive turning away from um, God to the Antichrist. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, which literally is the word destruction, mm -hmm. which is interpreted as Abaddon or Apollyon. Do you really like that name, Apollyon? I know. I know you do. <laughs> and who is this son of perdition? He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, just like Lucifer, mm -hmm. just like the, the uh, cedar in Lebanon, the Assyrian that was in the Garden of Eden. He thinks he is higher than anybody else. He thinks yeah. he's great. He thinks he's God. And ultimately, he's going to be destroyed. But where he came from, was the bottomless pit. Yes. That's where he went to. And evidently he's been released from there on several occasions. But let's read this one here in chapter 17 of Revelation and we'll close. Verse 7. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will show thee the mystery of the woman, which is mystery Babylon. We just talked about that. And of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was, 
and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Destruction. Yeah. The king of the bottomless pit is Apollyon, the destroyer. So you can see the connections there. And uh, remember, we talked about Christ said, have not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil. And he spoke of Judas Iscariot and he called him the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. So there's every bit of evidence to prove that the destroyer was the spirit of that Nephilim, the Assyrian, Mm -hmm. that's been in several incarnations, if you will, the human beings, Not, not like a reincarnation, but just entering into a body of a person. Yeah. And so by, I guess, technicality, they become Nephilim. Because he's a Nephilim. Yeah. So when he enters into them, when he is that entity, then he's controlling them and they're, they're a hybrid type of person. So the last passage and the final one is Daniel chapter 8. We're going to close with this. Daniel 8. Now, do you think when he enters in their body, they get taller? I don't know that their body would necessarily physically change. That's an interesting question, though. Uh, I do think there's a possibility that the um, that when the man is born, that will be the Antichrist, that he might be a giant. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a possibility. It may not be because of the human genetics today that may be because we're so far removed from where we were in the time of yeah. before the flood of Noah that the uh, we may not possess the genetics that will properly do that. Although Lucifer's probably looking for a woman that has the best genetics yeah. he can find for his purposes. But um, he may not necessarily be as big as they were back then. You know? Might be eight feet tall. He could be, you know. That's, that's still pretty tall. That's still pretty tall. That's though. really tall. That's Shaq tall. Yeah. You know, and if I stood next to Shaquille O'Neal, I would look like a... That'd be me. Munchkin. <laughs> You'd look like me. <laughs> I can feel what it feels like to be Zena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, the, Daniel chapter 8 is talking about this Antichrist and his kingdom and his final demise here, kind of mm-hmm. like we just read. But he says in verse 23, and in the latter time of their kingdom, and he says there, because he's talking about multiple kings, but I think he's talking about all those entities that were the Assyrian yeah. through time culminating in the Antichrist. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, A king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. This is the one. This is the the Antichrist. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Mm -hmm. Because Apollyon. Yeah. Powered by Satan and Apollyon. And he shall destroy wonderfully. There's that word again. Abaddon, Apollyon. And shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people, Israel. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, Christ, but he shall be broken without hand, not the hand of a man, but the very mouth of Christ, the, the glory of his appearance shall destroy him. And the vision of the evening and the morning well, we don't have to go into that. He just talks about it. After I heard this vision, Daniel said, I got sick. Oh, <laughs> he got Poor sick. Daniel. He got sick to his stomach. And um, so I'm, we had a few other verses we could cover, but we don't have time anymore. I want to go ahead and close. But I want people to understand that this is all evidence to show 
that if this Apollyon was in these entities over time, then every time he appeared in these types, it's pictures and foreshadowing of this final battle. Yes. And we can glean from the scriptures what's coming. And what's coming is, is beginning to manifest itself. I really believe we're near the time. And so the, it is of the essence that you make sure your salvation and trust Christ as your Savior and be a part of His salvation. Otherwise, you'll end up in this deception and you don't want to be a part of that destruction. Yep. It's a time that the world can't even imagine of how horrifying it is. So anyway, thank you for listening today. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Subscribe, like, and share. Comment down below something new you've learned or something you would like us to talk about. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at unlockthebiblenow at gmail.com. You'll find anything about you need to know uh, concerning us on the website utbnow.com. I always like to remind people I forget to do that. Um, where you know Bible mysteries on my online live studies on Facebook, uh, our YouTube channel, everything is there. You can locate it, and you can also donate if you want to. If you like this and you appreciate the information that you're receiving, you can give us uh, give to us through PayPal at utbnow.com. We thank everybody that does yes. that. We're so appreciative thank of it. Thank you. We're going to continue to use those uh, funds to keep this ministry going. So, Zena, as always, thank you for being our warrior princess. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and until next time, you have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.